Hey, it's uh, 7 p.m., and you are listening to WMSC 90.3. It's July 18th, 2014, and uh, this is Japan Nick of Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. Um, tonight, I have a special call-in guest, um, Evan Russell Saffer. Um, Evan's been um, pretty much, I would imagine, my longest, uh, my most popular uh, guest ever. Um, this is my sixth interview with him. And uh, I just discovered him uh, when I was at this concert in New Hope, PA, uh, three years ago. He was opening up for Joey Belladonna in 2011, and it was just like, wow, you know, this is really a wild concert to see. And I ended up, uh, I think, inviting him to my program as my first live guest ever, and uh, that was like maybe two or three weeks later, and um, pretty much... Just enjoyed uh, things ever since. Um, he should be calling in any minute now. This is Emily Autumn, and you are listening to WMSC 90. This is Japan Nick. Tune into my show Friday nights, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for music ranging from black thrash, speed metal, doom, sludge, and stoner metal. Check out my interviews at theaquarian.com, soundcloud.com slash japan-nick, and go to my website at japannick.com. Remember to like the Facebook page at Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium, and follow me on Twitter at Japan Nick. Stay heavy. Okay, excellent. Um, while I'm waiting for Evan to call in, I'm going to be playing the uh, first song from uh, his debut solo album, Chemical Marketplace. Stay tuned to WMSC 90.3. Hold on, Nick. Hold on. Okay. Looks like uh, we got a caller now. Looks like it's uh, ERS. Nick. Yes, yes. What's up, man? We're here. Okay, excellent, man. You're on the air. We're live. Now, um, awesome. now uh, I mean, uh, I found out about you from a concert in New Hope, PA. That was like, what was it, June or July 2011? Oh, that's right. I opened up for um, Joey Belladonna at Anthrax. Yeah, yeah, that was a wild concert. Um, really was impressed with that. Um, pretty much that started the uh, connection between you and me. Now, um, this is my sixth interview with you. How has the past year treated you? Uh, well, I feel, well, first of all, I'm here with DJ Laptop. 
Uh, hey, everybody. Martin Kessner from the U.K., who is basically my one and only partner right now. Um, and you have seen me through a lot of different incarnations. I think when you saw me with Joey Belladonna six interviews ago, I was a five-piece raging rock band. I know you had uh, at least four members at that point. Yeah. Now I'm a two-piece. Martin and I play guitar, piano, synthesizer. We program all of the instruments. Martin, DJ Laptop, is the production mastermind. He triggers all the beats. He, he does everything live. He triggers it, and I sing. So it's basically, at this point, both in the studio and production-wise and also live, ERS, or Evan Russell Saffer, is, is the two of us. That's it. It's a two-man operation. I see. Now, um, how do you feel like um, transforming from like a four or five piece rock band down to a two piece with you singing and your partner Martin working uh, like a computer and doing like synthesizers and stuff? Um, can you explain how your live setup happens? Well, I think that's why I said that, because you're like, how the last year treated you? Yeah. And basically, that has been the last year, is that transformation. How do we do this? We felt good first in the studio, like the recordings we're very proud of. But we're like, how are we going to pull this off live? Is it going to be interesting? Is it going to have that same danger factor? You know, I, I've always been a front man, and I don't want to be a karaoke singer, you know? So those are some of the obstacles that we've been working on over the last year, and we've had a handful of very successful shows, and we feel very confident that we can pull it off now. Um, so as far as the live setup, I'll let, I'll let uh, Martin's right here. Let him tell you how that works. So, sorry. really, um, I have all of the beats and a lot of the instrumentation pre-programmed on my laptop. But, well, it's not all completely pre-structured. What, what I actually do is um, trigger some of them on the fly. And what we try and do is change the set every every time we play a show. And I have a lot of my own beats and bass lines that I actually mix in in between the songs. So we kind of make it more like a DJ experience rather than just a set list of, of tracks A to Z. So um, although there is a lot of pre pre-programmed stuff, I mean, um, a lot of the stuff I couldn't play all of the parts live myself, um, we do have that element of sort of live, a live show, and we try and react from the audience too. I mean, I can adjust my beats accordingly and, you know, throw things in as, as need be. So we kind of got a, a bit of a mixture going on. Excellent. I mean, Martin also, as a DJ, like, between songs, he solos, he does his own, like, freestyle beats and, like, you know, little dance interludes. So it's sort of like, Having a lead guitarist soloing, although it's like a built-in DJ who's always on, and like any time, you know, like he said, like with the crowd reacting, he he can he can do that. He can extend the section. He can solo. He can trigger different moves and beats and sounds. So it's it's cool. It's fun. Now, like when you're doing a live show, how often do you say to yourself, "Oh, you know, this part would really be awesome if you added like a ten or twenty second like guitar solo in there or something like that." Is that possible that? for you to do? Oh, guitar solo? Well, the thing is, we've sort of remixed all... The, we don't really have guitar solos anymore. What we do is, between us, we have some mega guitar riffs, and we have guitar, uh, like, patterns that we play and program. But live, 
there is no more guitar impromptu or live guitar solos. But basically, when the solo sections come up, we do it sonically. So Martin, that's where he his like artistic live on the fly vibe comes out. So he starts triggering like beats and sounds like dubstep and just making it super interesting like a solo. I see now. While making it, yeah. Now, would you like to talk about your uh, bar cave for a minute or two? <laughs> um, cave, cave uh, espresso bar is located in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Um, I have owned that for a little better part of seven years, and uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a very cool atmosphere. It's organic, high-end coffee. A lot of artists I've met there, actors, uh, writers, musicians. Um, anyway, you know, that's my livelihood now. I went from, you know, back in the day, waiting tables and rehearsing and being in a rock band to owning an espresso bar and making electronic dub electro rock music with DJ Martin Kessner. Laptop. Well, speaking about your bar, Cave, um, it recently got spoken about on uh, CBS. What was that experience like having a TV crew film at your establishment? Well, it, it's, the interiors are done by Cloth Interiors, which is the other partner of, of, of Cave. It's me and Cloth Interiors. And Cloth is uh, very, they're on the rise right now. They've done a bunch of different buildings and cool restaurants and lobbies, uh, and residential, commercial, in and around Brooklyn, Williamsburg, um, Manhattan, all over. So... A lot of the vibe inside, I don't take credit for that at all. I mean, I'm the guy who keeps it running. I, I work the team, I'm, I work the people, I work the quality, I work the product. But um, the interiors has this incredible vibe, and basically that's all cloth interiors. They designed it. So when CBS News came in and they were looking, they, you know, they were scouting for Internet bars because they were doing a story on the scandal with Facebook because Facebook did some sort of experiment where they did all negative comments on certain people's feeds and then all positive on other people's feeds. And they wanted to see how that affected people. And it actually worked. It was actually like a ridiculous experiment. It, 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 it affected behavior directly, like the people's posts and the, the way they reposted, whatever. But what happened was there was a lot of lawsuits and backlash because people didn't like being manipulated because Facebook didn't tell anyone they were doing this. So CBS News did a story on this scandal and searched Internet cafes, and Cave Espresso Bar in Bushwick came up on one of the searches. So they walked in, and as soon as they walked in, I got a phone call from the anchor, and she was like, I love this place. I love the vibe. Everybody's on the Internet. They're drinking coffee. It's so cool here. And then that's how it happened. And then I said, yes, you can film, blah, 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 and they banged it out. When you have, a, like, publicity like that happen at your bar, are you ever able to notice just how much of a bump that created for you? Um, you know what? I just think it's... I don't think that Cave operates like that. Like, Bushwick right now is just very genuine. It's very artist-based. It's, it's very artist-centric. The whole vibe with food and health is very um, forward-thinking, organic. Um, people want to be treated like first class, high quality, 
And that's really what Kaveh does. Like, we don't really advertise or look for those kind of like bumps or corporate partnerships. Um, I allowed it, and I thought it was cool because we embrace everybody. I mean, I have indie artists come to me all the time. They want to shoot their music videos at Kaveh, or people want to shoot there or film there. We allow, we, I mean, we embrace everybody. So, you know, I don't know what kind of effect that did on the business. The business is solid. We're doing well. We're, we're, we're thankful and appreciative, and we want to give back. But um, I, that did, really didn't even cross my mind. Like, you know, oh, CBS covered us. I wonder what business is going to be like now. I mean, it was just like we let it happen, and life goes on. Do you ever try and send out feelers to make things like that happen, or is it just kind of like a spur-of-the-moment thing? Somebody just walks in, and it's like, bam. It's happening now. No, I've learned over the years that smoke and mirrors, whether it's with music or business, does not work. Do your thing, be original, put your energy and love into it, give it first, and then you will receive. If you build it, they will come. And that is how Kaveh operates. We don't advertise. We're practically virtually hidden. It's hard to even find the place because we're on the interior. Um, if you're listening now and you're in Bushwick and you want to try an organic espresso bar, go to KaveBrooklyn.com, K-A-V-E, Brooklyn.com. How do you get there Um, through a subway? It's the Morgan stop on the L. Cool. Now, your last album, The Opponent, came out last year. Uh, What were your most proud moments from that experience creating that new album? Well, The Opponent, uh, it does mark the entrance of the relationship between myself and, and DJ Laptop, um, basically, you know, that's where I met Martin. He respond. I was making that record pretty much on my own. I had, I had co-written with a few people. It was a studio project. The, the bands that I had assembled for Neon Gas, my first solo album, had sort of disbanded. Some of the players had gone on to other projects. And it was taking a long time, and I was very interested in going into an electronic direction. And I um, I put up an ad, and Martin, who had seen me many years earlier with my other rock band, Fixer, had responded to the ad. I think we've covered this in past interviews. Yeah, yeah, uh, like I knew about this. It's, yeah, it's such a great story, though. And then, he, you know, we kind of connected, and, you know, from then on, it's been a great relationship. So, you know, that is one of the highlights is, you know, Martin coming in at the tail end of the opponent, putting his stamp on it, his amazing production and, and electronic contributions. And then, we, you know, we took that album on the road with uh, guitar player Eric Baer, who is a phenomenal player and, and also co-wrote some of the songs on the opponent. And, uh, I mean, that was a short album. We, we signed it, uh, you know, a short-term deal with a Swedish dance label called Uberstrom. Um, and, but, but, you know, there was only a five-song album, so it sort of ran its course kind of quickly. And we have continued, uh, Martin and I, and, you know, I think we have the better part of a new album. I think we have at least seven songs now that are near completion. Uh, one of them tonight, we hope that you will debut for us, called Give Me a Kiss. We'll play it a little later. Yeah, that's... um. The new album, what is it going to be called? Like Pig Glitch? <laughs> or Pie Glitch? It's funny you should say that. I think I added that to the MP3. And that's just a working title that Evan came up with, which we both thought was very funny, so I'd be calling it that. It's not okay. really the final name. I think that 
yet to be decided. Okay, I, I just saw that there, and I'm thinking, wow, that's an interesting uh, title for a new album. <laughs> it is certainly interesting. I agree. I like it. I mean, basically, the it came from the, the character Piglet from Winnie the Pooh, who's like this like little, loving, honest, uh, almost like victimized type of character who is the best friend of Winnie the Pooh, married to the word glitch, which is like, I think the ultimate definition of like what a DJ could bring into sort of a punk atmosphere, you know, uh, tonically describing, you know, our relationship. So I thought like Piglitch was like a great marriage of, of like, you know, the, the vibe of that was happening. <laughs> What would be a song from the opponent that you'd want to hear right now, man? I mean, what, what, what are you going to say? Is this thing any of them? Well, I wouldn't mind hearing the remix of one friend, but I guess if we're going to be playing that, we'll have
Well, we can hear the original of One Friend. I mean, One Friend yes. is obviously the standout song of the opponent. That was the song that we made a video for. Uh, that's the song that live gets a massive response. It's an awesome song. But I, I would like what? I can see you cook. Oh, he knows that. He edited it out, yeah. Um, but the other thing is that uh, the, the song, it was interesting, the song that got assigned off of the opponent, the very first track that uh, Uberstrom, uh, whose parent company is Substream, that they heard and they were really much, they pretty much sold on the band on this one song was Best and Me. Um, that was a song off that album that I think got assigned. Yeah, I remember you playing that a number of times on my show. Like, you've been working on that song in various uh, evolutions for some time. Best and Me? Yeah, yeah. I, I know you played we, that at least once or twice on my program in the past. Yeah, we still play it live. Uh, we have a remix of One Friend. I mean, we've, we've reworked the songs, so it's not awkward. Like, you know, we're not standing on stage and there's a guitar solo and there's no guitar player. So we reworked we, we some of those electronically, but uh, currently in our live set, like, we have One Friend, Best in Me, I Couldn't Love You Any More Than I Do Now, the ballad. Um, those three songs uh, off the opponent. Oh, and Beautiful Stranger. Beautiful Stranger is also off the opponent. That's another good one. Um, those, All four of those are actually still in the live set. So, I don't know, Nick, what do you think? Um, put on Best in Me. All right, let's rock Best in Me. This is Best in Me. I love it. Oh, 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 oh,
And we're back. This is uh, Japanic of Japanic's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. It's July 18th, 2014, and we're speaking with Evan Russell Saffer and DJ Laptop. Now, Evan. <laughs> that was uh, Best in Me from your new album, uh, The Opponent. Um, now, how much of a, re- a good reaction do you feel like that gets out of your audiences these days? I mean, when we play live, it's super captivating. I mean, everybody's drawn in, you know, the crowd steps forward. We got a good response. I mean, it's kind of hard because, like I said, in this last year, we've been doing a lot of a lot more studio work, reinventing, creating that original content rather than touring. And I know that a lot of people who know me or maybe just don't know me, but in general think of bands, you know, in the past, I did two years straight on the road doing 20, 20 shows a month or more. Uh, this period in my musical career has not been like that. This last year, as you you know were inquiring, has been mostly about really digging deep and writing and developing a new angle to deliver content. Um, so it's hard to answer the question exactly how much of a reaction you know a particular song has gotten because we've only done a handful of shows. I see. Now, for you as a seasoned uh, recording artist, do you have any special secrets or techniques that pretty much for you guarantee an amazing outcome for recording as well as live sessions? Well, as with the music and the times, that my techniques have completely evolved. And I'd love to invite in DJ Laptop to talk about that a little bit because he's helped me learn a lot of new recording techniques. I can tell you about my songwriting process and what I've learned as a singer to deliver, you know, the best emotional, attitude-filled, pitch-accurate performances I can. That's where my expertise comes in and my experience comes in. But as far as recording techniques, DJ Laptop, uh, Martin Kessner is brilliant. I mean, he's constantly educating himself, working under other pros. And I mean, why don't you, dude, why don't you just chime in on what we've been doing recently? Yeah, yeah, go on with something, Martin. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Well, I said that really is fairly straightforward now. It's just me doing a lot of electronic stuff, and of course, Evan seeing uh, his songs as well. So it's just really two of us. So. In terms of recording techniques, all I have to really do is record him singing and uh, some guitar as well. Uh, but of course, I really need to capture his, you know, every nuance in a very professional way to get every sort of detail to make it sound upfront and, and bright and all, all these different qualities. Um, so yeah, I mean, we have a really good mic. We, we make sure we're in a good sound environment. We take the time to do, you know, 10 or 20 takes of each, of each phrase. Uh, comp the best ones, apply all of the sort of latest effects. and uh, I mean, it's, it's a long process. It, it takes a lot of time, a, a bit of effort. Um, but we really we put the effort in, and I think it really shows. If you listen to the recordings, I think Evan's performance is always captured really well and comes through very well up front, you know, in the mix. And um, Yeah, I mean, I could get really technical if you want to. But, uh, yeah, like, like Evan was saying, <clears throat> I just tend to watch a lot of tutorials online read a lot of books and just trying to put in the hard work to, to use the old tried and tested techniques to capture, you know, sound as, as best as I can. Do you ever feel like um, maybe 10 or 20 seconds will be will come off as, like, the best 
kind of version or a performance of that particular part. Whereas, like, for the entire length of time that Evan was uh, doing a part, like, you end up, like, cutting and pasting different parts together. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Oh, we do a lot, actually, because that's called comping. And basically, it's a way of picking out the best phrases from a, you know, from a passage and really, you know, picking out the best pieces of each performance and splicing them together to get, you know, an immaculate performance. It's very common. I think every single recording artist will be doing that. So it's, it's nothing special to us. Um, but I feel like also that's what gives value to something called a live performance. If an artist ever releases, you know, raw and live, that's, you know, those kind of bootleg series by certain jam bands or artists that are willing to release those kind of things. I mean, that's what gives value to that. Absolutely. And just to say, I mean, uh, Evan's studio performance is very good. He's, he's like a, you know, absolute pro. So it's... It, it's not hard for me to, you know, get some really great takes out of him. It's just, it comes naturally, so it's, it's not not difficult for him. It just takes a bit of time. But Now, Evan, you record and rehearse above a strip club. What are some of the advantages of that, as well as some of the difficulties involved dealing with a situation like that? Well, some of the advantages, I would say right off, is that obviously, you know, what we do is extremely emotional. you got to leave the baggage at the door. you got to dig deep. The conversation to the energy between Martin and I, we want to be completely genuine and, you know, with a very high vibration. So when you are rehearsing above a strip club, you know, we can go down and have a Jack Daniels and have tons of naked girls walking around us. And, uh, you know, you could just sort of like take a time out and then go back up and finish the record. Some of the drawbacks is that that could be... Uh, distracting <laughs> and uh, and costly but um we're you know we're friendly people and i think that overall it's um it's sort of just ironic and funny because i you know i feel like it's almost like a cliche like rock and rollers and rock stars hanging out with strippers but i think the reason from for like a long time that these associations are there is because rock and rollers they, you know, we're all kind of like scrounging for resources and, and, and the environment and the vibe to be our best. And where there's no pressure and there's no uh, concern, it's away from the workplace and the normal life. And both cultures thrive together. That makes sense. And I know that that sounds dirty and filthy and ridiculous to some people, but I, I, you know, when you're in the circus, the best place to go on perfect your 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 artwork is in the circus with other circus performers, and that's so I, you know, we we didn't even we kind of stumbled on the studio. It's called Pumps. It's in uh, it's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, or East Williamsburg. They have an awesome awesome setup on the second floor. All great gear. It's clean. It's super friendly. Pumps in um, in Brooklyn. And the first floor is this like raging strip club. <laughs> How often do you find yourself like wanting to hit that up while you're in the middle of like recording vocals for a song? I mean, honestly, Martin and I have a very good work ethic. We usually bring the party. We don't go to it. So I, I, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it. And it's sort of silly and fun, and it's there. But I don't think that we're like. I mean, probably every fifteen twenty minutes we get on stage. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. We, we have a good time. We have a good time. You, do you foresee any um, new evolutions for uh, the ERS lineup in the next 6 or 12 months? Or do you think this is going to, going to be stable for a while? Well, I really like to see how people respond to this new album. Um, we're going to debut a new song with you called Give Me a Kiss. It's going to come up later in the show. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of it. Uh, we were actually in a studio this morning adding on additional backing vocals and other uh, production, which I think is so cool. Like the day it's going to debut on the radio, we're actually still adding parts adding EQ, mastering, whatever we're doing, and sending you this ridiculous version on the fly. However, um, you know, Martin and I, we've talked about it a lot, you know, getting a guitar player in, a percussionist, you know, maybe not even for the sake of the music, but for the live show, really. Because I feel like musically, we can do everything. Between the two of us, we can play and do everything that we want to do. And I hope that, you know, the listeners will agree when they hear the track that it kicks ass. I mean, I think it's awesome. Uh, the, the, the the question though was, do we see any changes in the next twelve sixteen months? I mean, I you know, I I would never I reserve the right to change my mind at any time. Uh, but I will say that Martin and I have an incredible symbiotic relationship. It 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 lasted the course of two albums, which is, you know, it's more than a more than a couple good shows. And I feel like we're just starting to hit our stride. I mean, even though it's been about a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, it still feels like brand new to me. I, I really feel like this next record will be again a new, fresh step uh, musically for both of us, and you know, especially from you know under my name, a ERS or everyone else that for that. Uh, I don't. I don't really feel the need or desire that, that something's missing at this point. I feel very good, and I would love to see the reaction of this next album uh, on the world. Well, on that note. Um... Let's play the uh, original version of One Friend right now for your listeners. Awesome. One Friend, that's the, uh, the opponent. Exactly. Yeah, right. Thank you, Nick. Okay.
And we're back. Uh, this is Japan Nick on WMSC 90.3, interviewing Evan Russell Safford. Now, Evan, um, yeah. do you have any videos coming up uh, that you're planning for this next album of yours? Uh, it's funny you ask. We are very, very pleased with the work uh, on the video for One Friend. Um, who's the director of that? Um... Uh, what's his name? <laughs> that guy from Vegas. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, and we'll come back to you on that. We'll let you know. We'll look at you. Yeah, it's awful. Right now we're sitting in the back of a very large car, reclined with a bottle of rosé, chilling in the air conditioning and talking to you. I feel very blessed. Um videos, though. Um, Nick, I have to say, this is, I think, one of our better interviews. This is so awesome. Thanks. Um, it's just like the sound quality, just like at the new studio with WMSC, like we're just so fortunate that there's just... It's kind of like comparing, like, playing like a Nintendo to like an Xbox 360 in terms of like <laughs> the quality of like the mics and things like that. Is that usually that translation? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, going from like 1985 to 2014. Um, I mean, it's just leagues and miles ahead of everything that it used to be. So um, everybody here at Montclair State's really fortunate to be able to See, you're, have something you're like that represented. Because you care about your craft, you know? I mean, that's, that's exactly what we manipulate and what we care about as well you know I, you, you know musicians and performers are very um they're very fine line because you really care about the craft and the quality the, you know the work that's done before it reaches the world that's really where you are measured as uh an artist so good for you man and um and that's what you- Nick, before we get off the original question about the videos, yes. um, I just want to chime in here. We have been taking a lot of footage. It's kind of a new area, at least for, for me. Yes. But I have a video camera. What we're trying to do is film as much footage as possible with the intention of actually coming up with some videos, um, fairly low budget, but self-edited videos. So um, we probably will have something coming out fairly soon. Um, just to you know, answer your original question. Now, how, are you thinking about um, doing like maybe a video for every single song on the upcoming album? Maybe if you have, if you're just doing it DIY like that, I mean, you, you have the capability to do a video for every song. Although I'm not sure if you well, really want to spend the time doing that. We still, I think we still very much respect the touch of a pro. So while Martin is like getting all those raw materials, I don't know. I mean, I'm not ruling out that we could do it ourselves because that's actually how the uh, music industry has become. Everything is, you know, on the artist to do more, to learn more, to acquire more skills, to be more prolific, um, and more comprehensive. However, what we, what I think in an ideal world is that as Martin is a pro with you know his production. I feel like I have certain skill set. We would take that raw footage and give it to someone who is a pro 
and has another skill set, they would shoot additional original footage because I love that sort of cinema aspect of videos where you can create a fictional environment, marry it with some of the footage that Martin is taking that we're acquiring live in the studio, whatever, and create something that's worthy of the listeners and the fans and people who want to experience the music that we make. Are you still dealing with J.K. Toth? J.K. Toth is an incredible director. I just spent, uh, he directed the video for Dream of Love. I remember uh, that was incredible. a pretty yeah, crazy it, night. Anyone who's listening is just catching up now. Uh, my name is Evan Russell Stafford. You can check out my music or all my videos at ersband.com. Uh, the video for Dream of Love is on the site. J.K. Toth uh, directed it and wrote wrote the whole screenplay. And I spent the last uh, two weekends ago, I was in Cape Cod with him. I, we just hung out. So we had a very good relationship. We hung out on the beach. We played frisbee. We were, you know, we swam. We we had a we cooked lobsters together with our uh, our ladies. We had a phenomenal time. Very blessed. Right. And, um... Uh, um, While we're speaking of directors, I just want to bring up the uh, the director that directed the video for One Friend is Nick Vandervender, who is fantastic and deserves recognition. And we've actually talked to Nick about doing a video for some of the new tracks off of the upcoming album, uh, which is still untitled, tentatively titled Piglitch. Um... We sent him some of the early demos of uh, Give Me a Kiss, which we're going to play later on the show tonight. Uh, another song which is getting a lot of attention, um, got a good buzz, is Don't Want to Explain. Uh, we sent him some uh, early versions of that. Um, all these songs, by the way, you can hear live. I know that it's frustrating for some people who finally want to hear some of the new songs, but uh, DJ Laptop and myself will be performing July 31st in New York City at a club called Drum on 5th and Avenue A. All the information for that show can be found uh, at my site, ersband.com. Now, who's the lineup on that show, besides you? There's some other electronic artists, some DJs, some rock artists. What I try to do is pair myself with shows that I think are going to be interesting for the fans. I picture myself going to the show. So please don't expect, like, you know, 20 clones of me at any of my shows. When you, you know, when I book the show, I think that the entire night is going to be worthwhile. I'm playing very select shows these days, very few shows. So the shows I do are very uh, well thought out. This particular show is with a promoter called Turnstile uh, Music Group. And they do a lot of electronic music, but also a lot of rock. And um, the last show Martin and I did with them, we did at Ella Lounge, was completely packed. It was a phenomenal lineup. All the bands are great. It was a great turnout. It was pouring rain outside. So it definitely was a show that um, people were excited to be at. Anyway, July 31st at Drum. Um... The lineup is Green Card Wedding, Evan Russell Saffer, Nick Hansen, AJ Smith, and the Apollo. Uh, it's only five bucks for tickets. Uh, very cheap show. And um, 
it's worth it. Definitely. Now, why don't we, um, just thinking back on your, that music video you recorded um, back, I believe uh, parts of it were done from our first uh, interview. Um, why don't we play Dream of Love's Last Dying Breath? Dream of Love's awesome. Video directed by J.K. Tove. Check it out at ersband.com. I love it. We still play Dream of Love in the set, so let's hear it. Yeah. Dreaming of sweet caress, dreaming of 
And it's 7.50 p.m. Um, it's July 18th. This is Japan Nick interviewing Evan Russell Safford. Now, tell me, Evan, like you also had the song So Far Away featured uh, in the Sports Illustrated uh, model video. Um, this song got some good promotion. Um, like, how did you set up that licensing deal? What an awesome deal that was. Um, it's starring the supermodel knockout, Jean-Vierre Morton, who is from South Africa. She's absolutely gorgeous. If you go to my website, ersband.com, you're going to see her dancing around in a swimsuit to the song So Far Away. So Far Away is actually off of my first solo, my first solo album, uh, Neon Gas. And that was primarily a rock album, but wow, what a video. Um, we had just had a connection, you know, within the uh, organization to a director who was connected to Sports Illustrated Swimsuit. It was like everything else. You know, you, you have a connection, but at some point, even though you get your foot in the door, the product has to stand up against the competition because, you know, you're at a, you're at a certain level where it's not indie anymore. It's, uh, it's a professional level. Sports Illustrated is, you know, a huge franchise. And we were actually in that issue of the of the magazine along with the video and uh Jean Viev is absolutely stunning. She's unbelievable knockout. I mean she is so gorgeous. Check it out at ersband.com under uh I think under media or videos you'll see uh the video for so far away. Now um you expecting to get any sort of uh Similar things by the end of 2015? Well, it's funny you mention that because Martin and I are right about to sign a new licensing deal. Uh, we we'll, can't tell you which company uh, right now, but we've been solicited by, uh, uh, we've had a few offers, and we are very excited that we're going to be signing a new deal. And, and, and in my mind, it's sort of like a new record deal because... Uh, the most valuable thing you can get is marketing and commercial access. And this company uh, has come to us, wants to represent us based on our new music, the new format of ERS, um, to put the music in commercials, television, movies. And that, you know, everything else, the whole infrastructure for creating CDs, recording records, touring. I have enough experience and infrastructure to facilitate that on a very high level. And we also have a lot of connections uh, as far as agents and whatnot. So we're waiting, you know, for a company like this to kind of make some waves at television, market the song, um, get it some mobility, and then, you know, then you run with it. Um this is something I feel very strongly about as far as, like, uh, the music business and where it's at. I could uh, probably teach a class on it. <laughs> uh, but I think that our new model and the opportunities that are coming to us now as a two-piece, our expenses are lower, our, uh, our turnover rate is higher, we're able to make songs and create new content quicker, 
more efficiently, cheaper. Uh, we're in a very good place, and I think we'll be signing a new deal um, within the year. Excellent. Now, how about we play So Far Away now? Yeah, let's do that. That's awesome. If I could see where you are If I could see for a moment The tears that you cry for me while you're away If I could know for an instant that you're thinking of
back. By the way, Evan, you're also playing uh, out in Philly in August. I believe that's August 21st. Tell me about the Liberty Fest that you're going to be a part of. Hey, so um, we played last year, and um, it's, it's a really great atmosphere. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, Liberty Fest is um, it's this huge, it's not just a weekend. I think it's four days of, of music going on right in the heart of Philadelphia. Um, and they have numerous bands. I don't know exactly how many, but, you know, in the order of 10, 20, 30 bands uh, over those four days. And um, I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're playing this year. Um, we're playing on a Thursday night. I think we're on at about 11 o'clock. Uh, we played last year, and it was it was incredible uh just the atmosphere just looking out of the window i remember we were upstairs just um in the in the green room just waiting to go on stage there were thousands of people walking around outside uh all everyone a very good vibe everyone's looking for a good night i mean that's the whole thing like look if you're a rock band and you get a gig or a festival there were thousands of people like mobbing the streets checking out the band it was such a good thing man and we're actually uh We've been treated very, very well by the organizers. We've been embraced by Philadelphia. The fans there are, are amazing. Jersey and Philadelphia, thank you if you're listening tonight. This is Evan Russell Saffer uh, and DJ Laptop from ERS. Now, really, uh, we appreciate you. It's such such a good vibe. So we'll be there. Um, we'll be at Finnegan's Wake in Philadelphia for the Liberty Fest on August 21st. Check out the music at ersband.com. Now, I guess, what do you picture is going to be the next step after the uh, after debuting Give Me a Kiss tonight? Well, we really are currently creating a, a huge amount of content. So, honestly, we haven't really strategized too much about what we're going to do with it. We're working on an album which, which is coming together extremely nicely, and we've Still don't know the exact set list, but we're looking at seven plus songs. So really, uh, I think we're probably going to focus on finishing the album. Give me a kiss is pretty much done, so it looks like we may release that as a single. Uh, um, you know, I'm sure we're, we're open to a single because the fans want the music quicker, and then that way you don't have to wait for the rest of the album. Uh, we may we may do a single. I would like to say that I think in this short term we're going to sign this licensing deal, start pushing the newer music to television and commercials, finish the album. We'll most likely press a hard copy album, a CD, for when we're on tour for people who want to play CD in their cars and still enjoy that format. We also, you know, Martin and I are very smart and we're we're forming our own company uh, to release, we're going to be releasing vinyl. We're going to do a vinyl pressing of the new stuff, which I think will be very cool for uh, for the purists and also for uh, electronic artists because, you know, that was the, uh, most of the electronic music in the beginning was all records. You, know? you, you ever think you... So we're very excited. We've got a lot of plans, and we, you know, thank God we've got some options, too. It's not like we're just by ourselves. We've got other partnerships and companies that want to be involved. Everybody from uh, certain promoters like Turnstile Music Group who are putting on our shows to the uh, the licensing companies that are propositioning us now. So we're very thankful. We're thankful for the fans. Thankful we got a show July 31st at Drum in New York City. August 21st, 
Nick Finnegan's Wake at Philadelphia for the Liberty Fest. Thank you, Japan Nick and WMSC, for always taking care of us. I love doing interviews with you. It's only, only gotten better. <laughs> okay, Don't well then. Don't give me a kiss just yet. I mean, what else do we got? Uh, let's play something off the opponent. Do you want to play Couldn't Love You Any More Than I Do Now? Okay, go for that. Well, what about Chemical Marketplace? We shot a video for that. That's off the first album, Neon Gas. Well, why don't we talk about uh, Chemical Marketplace and uh, a track or two from uh, the Neon Gas days after I play uh, I Couldn't Love You Anymore than I do now. That sounds nice and confusing. That sounds good. So this is I Couldn't Love You Anymore than I do now off of The Opponent. I want to meet you, but let's kiss first This could be nothing but a mischance